Peace. You're now tuned into the Cosmic Convos podcast. I'm your humble host at Root, and I got my good brother here, Brother Ra. How you doing? My brother, you know, taking it a day at a time. King, how about yourself? Hey, man, no complaints, man. Just, you know, like I said, man, just trying to get like you out here, man. <laughs> You're on your way, brother. You're on your way. Hey, man, I'm working hard at it. <laughs> I see that tattered cover, uh, <laughs> that uh, Brihot right next to you. That is tattered. <laughs> oh, yeah, this thing is getting ugly, man. But yeah, it's putting in work. It's called putting in work. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Um, but before we get uh, too far, I want to remind you all that this episode is brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calabrucia Astrology and our good people over there on Patreon. A uh, big shout out for the patrons and whatnot. You know, give give y'all a big round of applause. You know, for all the work that you guys you know put in, everything that you uh, contribute to the show, we greatly appreciate that. Um, we're gonna be testing some things out with you all real soon, so uh, you know, be on the lookout. You know, check it out. Make suggestions too. You know, you got something that you want to see. You know, let us know. You know, hit us up, let us know and stuff like that. And then for those of you who are not um, linked in on our Patreon, um, if you, you know, want to ask specific questions and different things like that, you got an idea for a show or something like that. Um, we we leave we leave that right up to our, um, you know, it's exclusive to our Patreon membership. So um, if you want to do that, you want to be a part of the show in that way, um, definitely hit us up on Patreon. Right. And um, before I get too far, make sure you like and subscribe to this video if you're watching on YouTube, you're watching on Facebook. Um, make sure you follow us on Facebook, um, subscribe to it on um, YouTube, hit the notification bell. And, um, you know, so we can run these numbers up, man, and, you know, really start, you know, um, having algorithms start popping us up on other people's uh, recommendations and stuff like that, you know. Um, so I, I've seen an increase in that. So we definitely want to keep pushing that or whatnot. But um, uh, as far as Instagram and the social media outlets, you can find us at Cosmic Convo. That's C-O-S-M-I-C-C-O-N-V-O on Instagram. And um, there you can have the, you find a link to all the stuff that we got going on, whether you want to get a chart. Um 
and um, whatever platform that you want to check us out on as well. That's all there. Um, Brother Ra, how can the people get a hold of you? Uh, <clears throat> typically, astrology at gmail.com is the best avenue. And then if that didn't uh, ring my bell, uh, either uh, IG or uh, Facebook via Shechem Ra. One of those three would definitely get at me. Indeed, 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 indeed. And you got that? You, you, how, how, how much longer are we looking at the uh, for the website? You know, it's definitely it's at the helm of being finished. It's just a few colors and a few pieces of music I'm adding to the backdrop. So as soon as everything's finished and dried, we're going to shoot it out and it's going to go. Uh, we're going to drop a little video to kind of promote it. So everybody keep on the lookout for that as well. Indeed, indeed. And I, I don't know if you all have noticed this, man, but Rod's a, a perfectionist, so <laughs> he's going he's going to tweak it, tweak it, tweak it, tweak it, turn it, turn it until it, you know, is is, is right on point. So <laughs> that's the shit your moon, you know, indeed, you know what it is. <laughs> indeed. Yeah, my, my Mars is in shit. Mm-hmm. Or whatnot. But um, Lord's in shit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Indeed. Um, as far as um, last episode, man, we got some, we got a good response on that. A lot of people, uh, you know, like we touched on it before, you know, um, but a lot of people really kind of resonated with them. I mean, I seen like crazy comments on YouTube and stuff like that in regards to the benefits that people were able to get from it. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um... We did touch on a, in a way briefly, but it looks like the last time that we really delved into it, a lot of people got some gems. You know what I mean? They definitely got something to take with them that they can use and play with as you go. You know, takes a while to really just have that assurity and that confidence. But this one thing here, two things here, looking at somebody's chart or looking at your own, it goes a mile. You know, it goes a long way. So definitely use the little, you know, tidbits and gems that we drop because they work. Absolutely. And I think just moving forward, you know, um, it's just going to be more important, you know, for people to really be, you know, we don't have as much. um, A lot of us don't have as much leeway to kind of find ourselves in, in our career and stuff like that. So I think, you know, utilizing astrology and getting with a good astrologer and everything, you know, it help you save time, you know, and, and, and be more efficient, <laughs> you know? Well, I look at it like this, you know, an investment of 275 can save you, you know, a college career. Uh-huh. It can save you, you know, the um, time and energy that you would normally invest in a venture that is not you know, tailored for you. So I would say two seventy five is a bargain, considering uh, <laughs> what's out there that you can you know make a mistake on forty thousand, sixty thousand, hundred thousand. Easy, indeed, indeed, indeed. But um, yeah, we got we we got a pretty good response from that. Um, one thing that um some you know some people did reach out on. We just passed through it. Um, the eclipse. And, you know, what, what, what kind of impact are we looking at moving forward after this past lunar eclipse that we just went through? 
<clears throat> well, lunar eclipses are really um, kind of like the kind of precursor, right, to solar eclipse. Yeah. They always are. And uh, lunar eclipses generally are a lot less impactful uh, with regards to uh, major shifts and occurrences. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I advise, you know, many people to do is if you do go out in an eclipse, make sure you cover right your head, especially the back of your head, which is a specific um, point in traditional Chinese medicine. You always cover that back. Right, to make sure that those inimical energies are protected, especially during if you have to go out during a solar eclipse. Mm -hmm. uh, lunar eclipses are just, like I said, they're less um, impactful. It's the moon, right? Yeah. So it's going to really impact emotional kind of uh, turmoil. It's going to pull out emotional <clears throat> hidden issues, right? And those things can be resolved fairly easily, but solar, solar uh, eclipses are a lot more... Um, inimical a lot more impactful and so during a lunar eclipse you know it's a good time to meditate good time to take uh, account of the things that you're going through um give thanks right as well uh, really take stock of how you've been feeling during the time that the eclipse happens a little bit before and also after you know just taking a good bead of what's going on inside of your mental thoughts and mental awareness to really hone in and focus on what's important mm -hmm. um, and it's phenomenal that these cycles typically happen right at the end of the year that lives like, literally gives you a time to detach right to put the kind of nonsense away that's been happening for the last you know 12 or 11 months and really get into your spiritual studies and spiritual work. That's really what eclipses are good for. Um, yeah. This eclipse that we're having now, obviously, is in Taurus, right? Which is, you know, Taurus is a stabilizer for the moon, right? Mm -hmm. And so being a stabilizer and eclipse there is going to be a lot more mild-mannered than it would be in any other sign, mm -hmm. right? Um, and that's a nice thing to have with this eclipse. You know, you can use this eclipse um, to really... Uh, bond and build bridges with people because it's stabilized. I'm talking about in your immediate home, working out those issues that you have that may not have been discussed for the past six months or the past lunar cycle, our past um, uh, eclipse cycle, um, bringing out things that really uh, you've been holding back and you don't want to come out in a way that is uh, haphazard. It's a good time to really dig in and sort those things out because if we repress them at this time, a lot of times when that Scorpio cycle happens, right, that's when the trigger will literally release all of those portents and the things that we really didn't get off our chest when we had an, t uh, an opportunity to when the moon said, you know what, go ahead and let it all out. Yeah. And I mean, you know, to that point, I mean, an opportunity probably even popped up, you know, for you to do that. You know, I, I know it, for, it did for me. Absolutely. As my, my person as well. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, and whatnot. But then when you're aware of it, oh, this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so then you can use it, right? And you can recognize it and say, hey, you know what? Let's deal with this and move on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Really cathartic. Yeah. Really cathartic. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Gotta, gotta, gotta love the science, man. Indeed. You know? Well, I mean, but it, to that point, 
I mean, that that kind of um, brings us into our subject today. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> we can uh, Peggy, uh, veggie back that one real quick, right? Yeah. Um, you know, being that the moon is responsible for, uh, you know, eclipses, right? When they align, when the sun, moon, and earth align, you know, that that um, time is you know, twice a year that the energies open portals, right? And close portals as well. And so <clears throat> endings and beginnings, right, are key markers of eclipses. Well, you know, in our mind, <clears throat> a lot of times those things that we think that we've dealt with in the past don't end and they perpetuate endlessly, right? Yeah. In a mind that is imbalanced or um, challenged with uh, having some coherent flow, right? And some coherent ability to be, to have some, some control. And um, today's show is really going to highlight uh, really the things we look for or look at in a chart that talk about lunacy, right? Yeah. Um, imbalanced thinking, right? And, you know, lunacy and, you know, mental mental uh, issues, mental disorders are far ranging from schizophrenia to bipolar uh, to ADHD to um, uh, even phobias, right? Uh, many people don't know that a lot of times, this is not always, but a lot of times Scorpio is the sign of phobias. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I've, I've done quite a few charts and the ones that I've done, it's very strange that a phobia, and I don't know the name of the phobia, it is a real phobia, folks. And, you know, the DSM will classify almost anything if they can get their hands on it. But um, there is a phobia of things that, like dots, right? Small little things, like all around. Yeah. I can't remember the name of the phobia, but it's Mercury in Scorpio. Mm. And Mercury deals with details, small things, right? Things that are in... Um, infinitesimal right mm -hmm. or you know things that are dotted or small or you know meticulous and scorpio is a sign of fear mm -hmm. or fears phobias right so it's interesting that many of the charts that i've done and it's almost strange because the person i can ask they say would well, not always but many times do you have a fear of like little dots or like little things that move and they're like yes it just drives me crazy and it's like Wow, it's just repetitious. So just little things like that just let you know that people, everybody has some type of mental thing going on if you're, you know, if you're uh, dealing with those intense signs, right? Uh, and so that, that's, that's funny that you bring it up and it, you know, something just happened this weekend with, with Tyson, right? You know, he, he did a little exhibition boxing and, you know, his moon is in Scorpio. But he, he had a revelation where, you know, he has a podcast as well. And he was stating that, you know, um, essentially what he said was all the mean, everything that he was doing back in the day, his whole, you know, kind of fighting prowess was based off of fear. He was scared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? He was scared. <laughs> One time a bully took something from him or whatever. And he was scared that it was going to happen again. So he just 
protect, you know, projected this image and stuff like that to scare people off, but because he was really scared. Yeah, I mean, it's a natural response for those that you know. The big bad monsters are usually the ones that are the, the ones that are the most uh, frightened of people and things. So that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the people that I've known have been bullies, have been either abused or. Um, you know, mistreated by someone that's very close to them. So it just makes perfect sense to transfer that energy to the person that's in front of you. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, and Mike Tyson's a very special case. He does have moon debilitated. Um, this last fight, uh, interesting enough that Mars was conjunct Rahu, mm-hmm. right? which, um, you can tell he held back. Oh right? yeah. But, uh, Mike is a little off too. <laughs> right. No disrespect, Mike. I don't want no problems, bro. No, 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 <laughs> man. All right, you got it, brother. But he himself has said, you know what I mean, that you know he he views himself in a certain light that uh, he doesn't deem himself as being worthy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, growing up in Brownsville uh, with the Moon in Scorpio, I'm sure you know facilitated. Uh, an intense in, uh, upbringing, you know. I mean, he actually said a lot about his growing growing up in Brownsville, which uh, really speaks to a lot to you know the conditions that our people were dealing with at that time in yeah. that area. And to try to come out sane, right, is a task alone, right? Being impoverished, being um, constantly uh, looking over your shoulders, dealing with um, you know threats and. Um, murder. I mean, even in the seventies and early eighties, Brownsville was known for murder, man. I mean, that's no joke. Yeah. But you know, that moon being debilitated definitely creates an intense, quick, right? Zero to 60 response. Yeah. Right. And talking about that and leading from that, uh, the moon is always the most important thing to look at at a chart. In, in any shape, form, or fashion. Yeah. But when it comes to mental stability, it's the number one place to look for, or look at, rather. And, um, you know, the moon, because it's such a sensitive planet, anything that's around that moon is going to affect that individual drastically. Yeah. Right. Um, whether it be Jupiter, whether it be Saturn, whether it be any planet, Venus, right? Mm-hmm. The moon is a sensitive planet. And here's the strange thing about the moon. The moon doesn't like to be alone in a chart. Mm-hmm. That's actual. Uh, that's actually a yog called a kimdrum, kimadrum yog. Yeah. Where the moon is alone. Right. And so it's strange, right? And of course that yoga, yoga can be canceled by a, a Gajagasar yoga or different placements, right? Yeah. Kendra's, uh, planets and Kendra's from that particular position also cancel. So there's different things that can cancel that placement of being alone, but the moon does not like to be alone in the chart. <clears throat> and so um, just knowing that alone, showing that the moon just being alone can create sensitivity issues. Right, can create issues where the person feels alone. Yeah, they don't feel like they have any type of support. Right, but at the same time, you know, you have to look at the other way around too. That the moon also allows the person to stand alone, right, and to be alone and to enjoy those moments of being in solitude and self-reflection. Right, with a kimadrum yoke. So not everything's, you know, good or bad. It usually comes in twos. 
And so um, understanding that, you know, the moon being such a sensitive planet, anything that's even, I mean, it doesn't matter where it is, anywhere the moon is, you're going to literally see it in the person's disposition automatically. Right. And so that's the first part that you look for is the condition of that moon in all its variances. Right. Um, one thing we always notice is that if the moon is placed in a moksha house, there seems to be mental dis disturbances. It can be in other houses too, but moksha houses specifically seem to really give the moon problems. And you would think that being a moksha, you know, cancer, right, mm -hmm. is a moksha sign. Right. You would think that the moon being in cancer would be just like this stabilizing factor. But many times the moon just being in cancer can create mental, right, issues because it's so sensitive and so at home. Right. Anything that goes on around it or doesn't go on around it, literally that placement also is one that's very sensitive. Moon and cancer individuals feel everything. Right. See that. It's, it's that's that's yeah that's a uh, I, I've I've observed Notice that, that with a lot of people, especially men. You took the words right out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. I was literally about to say, with men, it's even more detrimental. Right now, here's the thing: detrimental. When I say you have to understand the whole context of the chart. Mm -hmm. right? um, for example, Moon in the tenth house many times right can leave someone very empowered with regards to their memory, mental disposition, and so forth. It also depends on the house it's placed in as well. So let me make that statement. But many times, if the moon is not in that 10th house position, where it's, and again, even in the 10th house, if it's damaged or challenged by malefics, right, or fun functional malefics even, mm -hmm. then it can have some, some repercussions um, even in the 10th. But... You always look to see, right, where that moon is placed. And again, many times, the moon in Cancer, the person can grow up um, having an extreme shield, right, around their real feelings. And a lot of times they come out so haphazardly because the moon is so, you know, and it depends on which nakshatra, of course, too, mm -hmm. right? Because it's, if it's in Pusha, right, Pusha is a lot less intense than Ashlesha. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, all those things factor out. But those are things that I've noticed just off the cuff. If I see the moon in Cancer, it's a male. I notice that something may be a little, you know, sensitive, right? Or at least um, the emotions are, uh, they wear their heart on their sleeve yeah. a lot more. Yeah. Right. Um, they tend to uh, reverberate whatever feelings you give to them back immediately, right? There's no b barrier, right, with emotion. So if I feel sad, my person's in the state of feeling despair, that person's going to feel it very quickly. Yeah. Male or female. But men typically are not masters of their emotions because we don't grow up being taught how to meditate and understand the actual feminine side of ourselves right? mm -hmm. so <clears throat> you know um that's one thing that really surprised me is moon in cancer 
and it probably surprised you too, is I thought moon and cancer would really be uh, a stabilizing factor. And it's not even considered, um, the thing is that, you know, you have different classifications, different placements where the, the planets are. So exaltation is obviously one where the moon is stabilized. That's in Taurus. Mm-hmm. But the moon, the trachona for the moon is guess where? In Taurus. Yeah. So only own sign is in Cancer. That means that the moon doesn't do as well as you would think in its own sign. That's interesting. Very. So, again, you know, just denoting, right, the jump off, the the thing that sets the stage, right, is that person's mental sensitivities or mental strengths on the other side. And so um, looking at uh, other factors, one thing that I've noticed is that Saturn and Mars are usually challenged in the chart dramatically. Mm -hmm. Um, Saturn and Mars always play a role because Saturn, number one, is the planet that makes us face reality. Right. It helps us to sense, you know, what the real issue is and not something that might be far blown beyond what we might think it to be. Uh, people that have a good sense of a common sense have a strong Saturn mm-hmm. right? and a strong moon. Well, common sense obviously is, you know, <laughs> I say not that common, right? But nonetheless, right, we all have varying degrees of common sense. So when we understand that from the moon's perspective and we involve Saturn, you know, it can go both ways. Common sense but also having the sense of going too far and being uh, going to the point of where we lose sense of reality through that depression, through that frustration, through the fear that Saturn produces. Yeah. So it's a, it's a fine line, right? Because a lot of folks that I know with moon Saturn conjunctions, if the, if the conjunction is strong, that person is very practical, right? Very much in touch with reality. But when Saturn's damaged, the sense of reality is skewed, right? And I know Rahu and K2 always play a role in this, and that is true. But if Saturn is somewhat damaged or challenged, the person's sense of being able to bring themselves down to a realistic purview is very challenged. They can't get back to what we call the norm, right? And I was just, I, it took me a while to figure that out why Saturn would be such an impactful planet in individuals that have mental dis, uh, disturbances, mental mental issues. But that's a big player. Mm-hmm. Mars also is a player. Now, Mars is a player in that if it impacts the moon in some way or impacts Saturn, too, mm-hmm. right? or the sun, depending on how we look at it. Um, and there's different there's so many different combinations that produce similar results. But if Mars and Saturn are in any way, shape, form, or fashion in, in impacting each other negatively, that is also a key marker in mental instability because Mars agitates, right? Yeah. He insinuates, he pushes, he drives, he, he makes it, you can't settle, right? And that in unsettling ability plus the lack of sense of reality quick to make for individuals that can can do things that would not be the norm right again looking back to the moon stability now the other planet that you would obviously consider is mercury yeah right. uh, 
and in that order. Mm-hmm. Um, if Saturn is strong, it's really I'm talking about healthy, strong, strong in the in in one in the Kendras, well placed in the sign, well placed in the Vamsha, well placed in the D eight, right? Then that person can literally deal with any type of it challenges to reality, meaning that they come back really quickly. They don't lose their minds. Mm-hmm. But when that Saturn is not healthy, right? In the Navamsha or in the D eight, right? You're gonna notice that those people have extreme problems, right? Dealing with um uh staying in touch. Mm-hmm. Right? But Mercury, right? Mercury is a planet that allows the mental processor, right, to function pro- properly. Yeah. That's all Mercury is, right? He's just basically a mouthpiece for the brain, right? And so that mouthpiece, if it's skewed or damaged, right, that's when you have individuals that say they hear voices. Yeah. Because remember, hearing is not just external as what. It's internal, isn't it? Internal as well. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that you'll notice is that if Mercury is damaged by one of the nodes or one of uh, Saturn, right, squared, if Saturn is squared Mercury, you'll find depression a lot of times will will ensue. And, you know, depression can come from many different places, can come from the moon and Saturn, but it also can come from Mars and Saturn. And the the difference is, is that Mercury is going to be the record player. Yeah. Yeah. And so it continuously, you know, in meditation, one of the things that we do is we bind, right, Sebek. We bind Mercury. Mm-hmm. We give him something to do, right? The monkey mind, as they say. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So <clears throat> when you don't have meditation, you don't know how to give him something to do. He gives you what? <laughs> something to do. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And you think the voices are real. Right. And they may be somebody talking to you if there's other psychic influences that are there. Yeah. Again, you have to take those things with a grain of salt. Nonetheless. Right. Mercury is a big player. Yeah. If Mercury and moon are together, this many times can create mental instabilities depending on how they're placed. Mm hmm. Remember, the moon with anything is going to take on the impact of whatever that planet is. And if it's the planet of the mouthpiece, right, the planet that literally gives you the, the jabber jacking and jabber jacking in your head mm-hmm. and the moon is there, you're going to feel whatever's said. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're going to sense the words that are inside of your head are real, right? Reality, right, is hard to determine when it's your own thoughts, right? Yeah. And so that's another factor, right? Of course, the nodes always play an indication, right? These are just, anytime you got the node is a wild card, right? And when you conjunct any planet, just get, just get prepared to play Uno. Which color is coming, right? And yeah. how many is coming with it? Yeah. Because that's what, that's what they bring, right? So, you know, one of the charts that we definitely want to delve into, one of my favorites, right, is a classic, right? Classic, classic, classic case study, right? And folks, I know this seems a little redundant, right? 
but these things are not really that hard to see once you are at least just generally uh, aware of what you're looking at, right? I mean, for the most part, for a long time with astrology, I just took one little thing and made it big. Mm-hmm. Right? One little thing and made it big, right? And then I just started mushing and marrying, right? And combining and subtracting based on those little one stop shops, right? But those one stop shops always hold a truth. And so the truth that we always know is that the moon, right, is classic in every case. I swear to you, every case you're going to find, the moon is, you're going to, let me say this. I would challenge someone to find, and if you can, please bring it to the show. We would have a great time with it. Yeah. If you can find a, a moon in Taurus, someone that is mentally unstable with a moon in Taurus, I'd like to see it. Hmm. Right. Not with conjunct Rahu or K2, right? Those always throw wild cards in there. I'm talking about solid moon between zero to seven degrees of Taurus. If you could find someone that is mentally unstable with that, please shoot it to us. We'd like to see it because it's hard to find. Yeah. Yeah. That's just how well you can read the chart. And the opposite be, be held true, true too. That and not always, right? Moon and Scorpio many times doesn't mean the person is um, uh, certified you know, crazy off their, off their rocker, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> certified, right? <laughs> but you were going to find repetitious patterns where Moon is in Scorpio, the person has a intense level of dealing with people. Yeah. Right. It's just, it's hard. Try to find one where you don't find an intense level of dealing or some mental. Um, transformations that happen, you know, quickly. Moon and Moon and Scorpio means that the person literally can just they transform in an instant. Their mental disposition can change, right, within two point three seconds. Um, and so it's just those are rules. That's why they make them the rules, right? Because there are there has been thousands upon I'm sure millions of charts that have been looked upon to say, you know what, this is obviously something that happens when these placements happen. So these, that's why we say you can take it to the bank. The the degrees is what we're looking at with regards to different placements, how extreme and how mild, right? Yeah. But one of the charts I really love looking at is Ted Bundy. He's just a classic case. He is, you know, <laughs> I mean, you can't get any better as far as a case study with uh, someone that literally is considered uh, uh, not fully cuff, not fully aware of their actions. And uh, one thing is that we can see when we get it here. There we go. Uh, one thing we can see is that uh, there's a lot of things going on in that fourth house. Right. And folks, the fourth house is another house that you can look to to see if there's going to be mental disturbances. Yeah, the fourth house is just as similar as as akin to, uh, it's similar to the moon. It's connected to the moon. Um, and here's the thing, right? Yeah, he's got about five planets here, folks. That's serious business, right? With a strong opposition from Uranus, almost by degree to his moon, well within a few degrees, 
right? Mm. Remember I said Uranus has some strange things when there's a hairline within with three, two, one degree kind of aspect or conjunction. Uh, it's there. Yeah. Right? Now, <clears throat> he's Leo Ascendant, right? He's Magha. And Magha Ascendant, obviously, as we know from uh, our former, or to be former president, that Maghas can be very demanding and very much about getting what they want. Yeah. Right. And um, Jeffrey Dahmer is known for, you know, a slew of um, insidious crimes. Um, but of course, uh, one of the things that he was known for was luring him into the, into his what? Bedroom. His home. Well, his home, yeah. Yeah. Right. A bedroom, of course, right? Would be uh, the, the, the back Tw- end of that yeah. piece. But they, he always would get them to his home, mm-hmm. right? Um, or the, if I remember correctly, because I didn't read all of the cases, right? But I did look at some of them, and a lot of them, he would literally, they would be in the home, and that's when they would black out, and that's it, right? So he's got four, five planets, in the fourth house, which represents the what? Now you were talking. You, you're talking oh. about Ted Bunny or Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, I had Jeffrey Dahmer on there too. That's I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. No, yeah. Ted Bundy, you're all right. It is the bedroom. I do apologize, my friend. I'm thinking Jeffrey because I had him on the list as well. Uh, no, Jeffrey Dahmer is the one that actually got him to the home. We actually can try to see if we can find a little bit, a little bit of information about him. But no, you're right. Ted Bundy is actually. Uh, that it would be the bedroom. And if you look four, five planets in Scorpio, that's intense. That's intense. That is overwhelmingly trans. I mean, from moment to moment, this guy is internally fighting with demons, right? Yeah. Moment to moment, moment to moment. He didn't get a, a, a real sense of rest or peace at all. The fourth house is the house of Santosha, they say, right? Which is contentment. But we say it's the house of just literally being at, be able to be at peace, mm-hmm. right? Just being able to sit and be with yourself, right? Couldn't do it, right? When he was with himself, there's about four other people in there, right? Yeah. That's all vying for, right? That sense of, uh, what will satiate him, right? And the Mercury being there is the mouthpiece, obviously, right? That Mercury piece is the mental disposition to hear those things to say, yeah, this is okay to do that. I can do this, right? I can harm this person with no intrepidation or not even to think about it, mm-hmm. right? Um, the sun being there, right? And there's a com- well, there's a com- there's a combustion, right? Yeah, with Mercury. So, I mean, there's just a lot going on in the fourth house. K2, right? Mars, moon, right? And then his ascendant lord. Remember I told you the ascendant lord, <laughs> right? It's right there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's right there. It plays the role. Yeah, right? that's heavy duty. Yeah, that's serious business. So, you know, and here's the thing about it. Throughout his whole life, right, with the exception of exception of Venus, Rahu, and Saturn, all of the other planets are experienced through the Dasha systems, through the fourth house, through this combination. Yeah. 
I mean, uh, it, granted, he's born in 46, so he's born into a Mercury Dasha, mm-hmm. right? Automatically, he's born into a Dasha where the mental disposition is challenged, right, from the gate, right? Mercury's retrograde, it's in Vishaka. Vishaka is known for being an intense portion of Scorpio, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the next Dasha he's in is K2. And K2, folks, for a young person to go through is very intense, right? It's intense for an adult to go through a K2 period. Yeah. For a child, it's very uh, unstabilizing. Uh, it's very destabilizing. Um, it doesn't matter how well K2 is placed. That is a very challenging seven-year period for anyone to deal with on this planet. It is designed to do something to create a... Um, a means for you to uh, release karmic uh, baggage. But remember, you can't release karmic baggage at the age of what? Eight? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's... (laughs) Well, let's say, you know, 46 to 56, right, is 10. Mm -hmm. So so he's seven. Seven years old, yeah. Seven years old, yeah. Seven years old, right? Starting off in a K2 Dasha, which ends, right, seven years later when he's 14 years old. Yep. Venus Dasha lasts, right, for a period of 20 years, right, until the 80s. And I'm pretty sure the 80s is when he got started killing. Sun Dasha, right, and the sun is again the ascendant lord so it's he himself playing this thing out and what most people don't see is a lot of the things that are happening with this particular placement is the 12th from that particular stellium Mm -hmm. the 12th from it is venus so this is really where a lot of the issues where his pent-up frustrations came in through right was women yeah i think he first started being accused of stuff was back in the 70s um was it the 70s yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, be. probably late seventies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that sun dasha is getting ready to turn on, right? And it's revving up. So I'm sure you know, um, during that that Venus, uh, that Venus, um, dasha bukti when it's switching over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely was probably doing some things. So, but the thing is that the notoriety, right? The, uh, the 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 limelight, if you will, that's associated with the things that he did. I mean, look, he's in a sun, he's in a sun period until 1986. Yeah, right. Then he goes into a moon period. So I mean, I'm just showing you that only with the exception of Venus, and that's probably why we didn't hear about those things until the later portion of the Venus Dasha, is when that's those things begin to happen. But the end of Venus, Sun, Moon. I mean, there's no there's no time for him to get peace, mm-hmm. right? There's no dasha, no extended period that he could just say, you know what, I could put the internal uh, craziness down and step away or go somewhere else or do something else or be introduced to someone that might even help, mm-hmm. right? Those periods are not there. So by the time he gets into a Mars dasha, 96 i mean mars is also a part of this whole uh uh 
shebang, you know. So you don't get he never gets out of it. Right. Rahu hits in 2003 until he's t- until 2021. Right. So I mean, granted, right. There's no escape. Yeah, I can't find anything. Maybe. There's no escape. Yeah, there's nothing. Because even Jupiter, so, I, as a, I mean, exactly. I've, you know, in the classics, Jupiter doesn't, you know, they, they don't really do that. Every, I see people with Jupiter in the third house. I mean, it's not like, ter- but it's a funny thing, you know. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a Trisha Dyer house. It's a cruel house. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's a house that deals with um, efforts, right? Yeah. And so but it also deals with the lower mind. Mm-hmm. And so that base mind, intellect mind, right? Literally, I mean, you got Jupiter and Venus there. That you would think that it would produce, right, some very healthy, viable things, but because of the positioning of those planets, especially Venus being in Vishaka, mm-hmm. they're both in Vishaka. Yeah, Vishaka is a very intense nakshatra. It just is, right? Um, it's ruled by Indra Agni, uh, which is a combination. It's a it's a it's, it's an amalgamation of two particular principles, Indra the king of the gods and Agni, right? Which is the principle of fire, uh, fire uh, deified. Yeah. And so um, that constant insatiable, what happens with Vishaka is they, they're, they're insatiable. They're empty. Right. Um, They don't, it's hard for them to fill themselves with things. Mm -hmm. Right. So Jupiter's there, right. It's going to have a great impact in regards to that. I've seen Jupiter and Libra produce some crazy results as well. Mm. Right, with regards to mental uh, or spiritual stability, <laughs> right? Not always, but many times Jupiter and Libra can just the person can choose um, to to live spirituality from a very bohemian uh, perspective. Mm. I can see that. Right, and uh, Venus there, of course, adds into that. Sometimes when I see a lot of people, I don't know if you noticed it, but Vishaka certain places I've seen them have a lot of tattoos sometimes it does appears you know a lot of that is that is strange yeah Yeah. that I've seen that Mm -hmm. definitely so you know Jeffrey Dahmer's classic Mm -hmm. um Ted Bundy I really don't even I'm sorry excuse me Ted Bundy excuse me Ted Bundy is classic um you don't have to reach very far to really see the implications from birth yeah right um, you look at the D10, look at the, I mean, like, I mean the D9, excuse me, mm-hmm. um, moons in Aquarius, right? Also something to consider. Um, Saturn is in the eighth, uh, in the, in the D9. Um, Mercury's in the fourth. Mars is in, Mer- it's, a tough it, it's not all, it, yeah, it, it the D nine is not situated all that great either, right? In regards to um, what would stabilize, right? A lot of those placements, um, Mercury being in the sign of Cancer in the D nine doesn't help at all. Um, Mars being in opposition, Moon being in a Saturn rule sign, um, probably in shot to be shock somewhere in that particular uh, play in the degrees in the in the D nine. Mm-hmm. So um, again, it just shows that. You know, these things are reinforced further down you go in. It really is. Um, and having an Aries, right, uh, uh, first house in the D9 also shows, right, that fearlessness or that drive, right, 
to push to get things done right that's mm-hmm. what aries will do they will drive they will get it done they will have a fearless uh way of looking at things and so uh, it adds into that makha ascendant i mean look if you look at it it's two degrees right yeah so that means for the most part all the way up into the d12 it's maybe the yeah probably about the d12 it's going to be aries ascendant right so that's still that shows that in the subconscious or in the spirit right that person is aligned to do things in a very haphazard and sometimes um a thoughtless way no no is no doesn't mean no with, with him no <laughs> aries don't know what no means yeah right i don't have it right i likes it and i want you right? <laughs> you're alive you or dead <laughs> or you could do it the hard way the choice is yours <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's a real guy you know that right <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah that's a real uh that's a real Real, real fella, man. Yeah, y'all, uh, y'all want to bump very into special him. Individual. <laughs> <laughs> right, oh, but man. you know, Jeffrey gonna get it, man. I mean, not Jeffrey, but Todd, uh, Ted's gonna get it. Ted's gonna take it. He's gonna get it. And you can see that third house, right? The third Venus in the third house, right? That's the drive for that Venus. That's the drive for that interaction, right? Mm-hmm. Even though it's not supported or in part part of. Uh, how he feels or how he processes things. That's why it's so alien to have that pleasure, right? Yeah. Or to get to it, for it to take him to that level. Mm-hmm. Right? So uh, quite interesting on that one. Um, another one <clears throat> that is pretty interesting um, is um, um, Berkowitz, the son of Sam. And uh, he's just another great classic uh, case study, you know, to really look at and see. And we're not looking at the Shabala or any of these things. I mean, granted, watch this, right? Check it out. This is how it works. You know, the moon has Digbala, right, in the fourth house. He gets directional strength in the fourth. Mm-hmm. So that moon getting that much strength in the fourth house, you think it would help, right? But it's so much mental energy. Right, it's too much to handle in the fourth. Right, sometimes that which is good, right, can become a negative. Yeah, not all, not all of those moons being in the fourth with Digbala, right, with directional strength, is great. And you can, this is a classic case of that. Yeah. Now, Rahu is there with the moon in the fourth house again. Now, here's moon again. Right, here's moon again. We don't have to reach too far, right? The moon being conjunct Rahu within about two degrees states a lot, right? That person's mind is constantly, right, constantly dealing with inner inner turmoil. Mm -hmm. Um, The thoughts come and go so quickly, right? It's a matter of even perceiving if the thoughts are real. Reality is not, right? in his repertoire of thoughts, <laughs> right? Reality is gone. And, you know, one of the crazy things that he said was that he heard voices from the, well, he said he heard these dogs barking, right? And while the dogs were barking, right, that's when he heard the demons' voices, 
Well, remember I said Mercury is always going to be involved in some way. Yeah. Well, where is good old Mercury placed? Eighth house. Bingo. In a moksha house. Mm -hmm. Right. Where is the moon's lord? Twelve. I mean, no, in the eighth, it, it moon's eighth. Yeah. Well, no, no, twelve. Oh, I'm tripping. Lord, 12. Yeah, twelve. Yeah, twelve. That's a moksha house. Yeah. He's got all his planets in what? <laughs> moksha houses. Yeah. Remember, I said earlier, moksha houses are key houses to denote mental instability. People say, what about the sixth house? What about the sixth house? The sixth house is a house that deals with acute uh, things. So the moon in the sixth house can sometimes deal with mental Ill illnesses, definitely. Mm -hmm. But it's acute, right? Um, so it can be managed to a, a higher degree, right? Because remember, the, the sixth house is a house of dealing with daily things, right? Tasks, right? Which can become burdensome for the moon in the six, which then can lead to levels of depression or frustration. That is absolutely true, or other type of issues. But it's not as bad as being in the in the in the fourth, eighth, or twelfth, especially when you have the nodes conjuncting it. Mm -hmm. right? That's just a big, big chunk, right, to bite off. So showing right that this individual right is obviously loaded in areas of his life that require for him to um, constantly be on the threshold of change. Right? And that's just not comfortable for most of us. And the way many people deal with it is, you know, some people use drugs. Some people turn to alcohol. Some people turn to sex, uh, porn addictions, you know, uh, various things, right? to try to numb or to assuage right that inner frustration <clears throat> but clearly you can't get away right when these types of things happen because look at the periods that he runs now he's known this this is this is called the son of sam right yeah. um there's a famous uh spike lee movie about it right i'm sure you probably know about it being a filmmaker right um that that movie called the son of sam have I seen Son of Sam? I don't know if I've seen Son of Sam. If I did, it was a long yeah. time ago. It was a long right, time it was. ago. <laughs> it's not one of the ones that you really remember Spike Lee for. Yeah. But it's one of the ones that he definitely addressed in regards, because it's a big, you know, a um, lot of, I think it was like six people were murdered, right? And this all happened, of course, you know, in New York. Um, but, uh, you know, again, just another classic individual that shows i mean and a lot of his uh killings happened in the 70s mm -hmm. well there's that rahu period again right we gotta get them t-shirts <laughs> we got to get t-shirts because right, no those joke. are key it's no joke right it's right there 70 to 88 i can guarantee you the majority of his stuff is going to be in that period Right. He starts off, though, folks, in a moon dasha. Mm -hmm. The mother had some disturbances. And they say the apple never falls far, right? Yeah. So, you know, considering, and that's why the moon is so important to upbringing, because it literally represents 
that nourishment, that uh, kind of um, bonding that you, you know, that you had with the person that was closest to God, which is your mother. Um, and so when you know that, right, and again, this isn't a Capricorn rule sign, right? So Saturn is playing his role. Despite his role, his his placement being in the 12th, he's still playing a very prominent role because of the ruler. Um, it's, you know, it rules Saturn. Now, moon is in Shravana. Uh, Shravana is ruled by the moon, right? Mm-hmm. Rahu's in Shravana as well. So, again, it's in a moon-based nakshatra, but Rahu being there, right, it, it destroys any type of... Uh, functionality that could happen with regards to that placement. Right. Now, the, the thing is that because the 12th, the fourth floor is in the 12th house, that's a destabilizer. But then, and they, and here's where you have to really be careful because they say he would have a Vrapreet Raja Yoga, right? Yeah. The 12th Lord is in the 8th. Is that always the case, though? No. Right. Did he run a did he run a Asha period that would have involved those planets? Well let's see. So Rahu is connected to Saturn, right? Mm-hmm. Saturn is connected to Mercury, and Mercury is connected to Venus, right? And of course the other planets that Mercury conjoins. But look, he didn't really all his all his dashas were very much intense dashas. He has the moon starting off, then Mars from sixty three to seventy. Mm-hmm. And Mars is in the eighth house, right? So that's not a time when a normalcy can really proceed, right? And then looking at it from right directly on, right? I mean, he moves right into that Rahu Dasha right after. So again, right? And Mars is in Mirgashira, right? Which is his own nakshatra, but it also is connected to Venus, right? And Venus is in the seventh house, aspecting the ascendant. So, eighth lord aspecting the ascendant also has a great deal to, to impact in regards to those placements. Yeah. So, right, all those things intertwine. But the bottom line is that these placements are classic with regards to mental instability. Right? They're just classic. That's why these cases, these. I chose these individuals because these individuals are without a doubt, right? You can see it. Um, another one that is fun, right? When I say fun, it's not fun to talk about, but fun to look into, right? Because um, this is an individual that uh, ruined the lives of many black people. Uh, when oh, yeah. I was a young young boy, um, Jim Jones was the talk of the town. Um, that's what I heard a lot of. I mean, he and, got um, he has a whole yeah. saying after him, you know, don't don't drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> <laughs> it's a U.S. colloquialist, you know, right? It, it, I mean, that's pretty potent that your name lives on through something that talks about don't taste it, don't don't swallow, right? <laughs> that's crazy, right? Yeah. And look at the chart right off, folks, right? This is, I mean, where's the moon? Fourth. <laughs> Good night. Rahu. Already in a moksha house. Moksha house. Right there. It's conjunct Rahu. I mean, 
y'all should know now. When y'all see this Rahu with the moon thing, right? Just start rubbing your hands, right? Because <laughs> you have to start reading some stuff, right? Because it's fairly evident. Yeah, it's clear cut, right? Um, you know, and again, folks, I show you. I tell you, look to find the ascended Lord. It is in the seventh house, right? Then you would say, well, the seventh house, it's not a house, it's not a emotional house, it's not a house that deals with anything, right? But it's looking back at the ascendant, and the Lord of Jupiter is in the fifth, right? Being in the fifth house deals with your intelligence, right? So let's just look at it. He actually was a very charismatic individual, yeah. was he not? Yeah, right. preacher. I mean, it's actually you know, he's a preacher. You know, fifth house is preaching. Mm-hmm. Right, ninth house is preaching. Right, so you can see, right, that Jupiter has a very strong affinity, right, with the fifth house because mm-hmm. of Mercury's connection. There's some bond between Mercury and Sun. Some bond of folks means uh, connection, right? Mm-hmm. Like not like yoga, but. In the sense of inter inter interweaving, right? Sambanda is like a a bond. Sambanda, it's bonded. Yeah. Right? When you say banda, right? When we're practicing our, our pranayam, right? That means we're locking, right? Yeah. And banda means to lock or to to link or to to hold, right? Renu banda. Right is when you have a connection with someone, karmically speaking. Right, you have a uh, what we say a debt or a connection, if you will, yeah. <clears throat> or a lesson, whatever you want to label, however you want to label it. But right, the ascending Lord is tied to the fifth house. You see that, right? Yeah. Now, the fifth house is the house of mental, right, yeah. uh, intelligence, That's right, right. Well, where's the fifth Lord? <laughs> And the eighth <laughs> house, Told debilitated, <laughs> debilitated, right, right. So again, showing that there is something to connect the individual's ability to process reality. Because the fifth house is the quintessential house of a chart, right? Um, it's one of the houses we look for just very quickly to see if there's anything going on in there. What's the karma like? What's the person's gifts? Where they come? What do they come with? Well, he comes with a gift, right? He comes with a gift to literally move people, right? To lead people, right? Which is the sun and through the mouthpiece, which is Mercury. But again, right? Showing that the fifth Lord is in the eighth and the eighth Lord is where? In the fourth back into a moksha mm-hmm. you see these moksha houses they're big right when it comes to mental instability they're big right um back to uh the the, the combination venus right is it's not conjunct right by degree right but it is in the house and it actually is exalted isn't it it is right. yeah right almost by degree really by degree Right, it's exalted by degree, but then the Lord of that planet, right, goes to the seventh, and there's a well, there's not a parvatana, but that particular Lord going to the seventh in Gemini doesn't do so well, right? It doesn't really stabilize, right, that particular exaltation. So, not only that, right. 
Uh, if you look directly, let's see, what's the degree of Pluto? Pluto is 26. 26. And, his, and, and it's what, three degrees arc? Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 it is. Yeah, yeah, three degrees. So again, pretty close. I showed you that whenever those arcs are there, it's really close within degrees, right? It's a big thing, right? His Venus is conjunct Uranus within three degrees, right? Venus, for a Sag ascendant, is what we call a functional malefic. It is, it is not, right, a very viable planet, even if it's exalted in the fourth. So, again, and again, these are all things that you add in, right? You add them in. But look at Saturn. Saturn is always going to play a role, folks, I told you. Mm-hmm. Right, he's impacting right the moon. He's aspecting it from three houses. Well, he's has but he has a third house aspect to the moon. Yep. Right. And Saturn is you know in the third. I mean the second house is you know a little interesting as well. Shows, yeah, upbringing could have been strict. Mm-hmm. You know, dep- depressive, deprived. Right. Even though it's in his own sign, it is retrograde. Mm-hmm. And it is in opposition to Mars, which again, those Mars-Saturn oppositions, conjunctions, mm-hmm. always are going to create some tension. Right. So this is just another great way to show what has transpired in this individual's life. Now, here's the thing. Check it out. Check it out. When did he grab his flock? In the 70s, 60s, and 70s, right? Mm-hmm. Look what Dasha period he's in. He's in that exalted Venus Dasha. Yep. Right? All of it happens. Easily putting individuals in. Mm-hmm. But remember, Venus is a functional, malefic forsage, meaning it does not give the full emphasis of the positivity that Venus can bring for Sag. Mm-hmm. Six houses enemies and the 11th house is groups and networks. So you can clearly see, right, that during this time, there was a mixture of how he felt about those people. Yeah. Some of them he probably uh, had some very close connections to. And then within those close connections, because of his mental right issues, they become enemies. Right. So I'm sure his flock and many of them, I mean, they, they were recorded. Many of them tried to escape and they were murdered. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, your 11th house, your 11th house, folks, is your is, 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 is groups and organizations is how you deal with people that uh, that that you that you deal with that are a part of um, bodies of people. Mm-hmm. Right? And so the 11th house. Right. Is a house that you can look for to see how people deal with social networking, how they deal, how they literally deal in, in society. Right. Yeah. 11th house is a very revealing house in that regard. So it's connected to the sixth house, which is enemies. So again, it just shows that there's a very key. See, we always think that Venus is all great and grandiose. It's not, right? It has some dark sides, like all planets do. Mm-hmm. But Venus being in the fourth house literally allowed him to 
produce right the heartfelt content that those people were following right it was a big act venus is an actress or an actor right yeah but coming from a very deep heartfelt place but again saturn impacting all those planets in the fourth house it was something dark behind it something very um malicious right very controlling and very um sad right to say the least mm. so right saturn um again showing the role saturn mars right is debilitated like you said earlier that's a big flag as well many times when mars is debilitated the person's just going to have enemies mm -hmm. they're going to be able to create problems with other people without thinking about it yeah right and then looking in the d10 i mean the d9 excuse me you see saturn conjunct mars mm -hmm. right there right that's still big right so I mean, you can't get any better. Every single one that we've looked at has had these particular system, symptomatic and systematic placements. Right? Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, you know, we did talk about Kanye a little bit, didn't we? <laughs> you know, his time is... is, is, is right. It's, right. Uh, it's not confirmed. His time. It, okay. The time that I have, it looks like it, but... You know, we, we probably have to play with it a little mm -hmm. bit more. <laughs> mm -hmm. We probably, yeah, just to tweak it to get it right. Yeah. But you're right. I did notice some things. Mm. I did notice some things. And it's, you know, the level of, of, of insanity and in mental instability that we're talking is quite, quite far and extreme for most of these individuals, right? For all yeah. of these individuals. Um, they're to the left of it, right? There are much milder, much less um, graphic cases, right, that uh, are available to review and to, to, to bring up for, for compare and contrast. Um, but, you know, we had a show on addictions. Yeah. Right? And um, many times, right, there's some things that overlap, mm. right, from the addiction side to... Um, mental instability mm -hmm. and um, a lot of times you'll see right that uh, the moon because it's just like that record player right that just can't it just it's going with the grooves and then Saturn is pushing down and saying no you can't lift you can't go to the next thread you have to stay on this particular note you have to stay on this particular thread and so um, you know that being the case you know there are cases that are just not as extreme um you have individuals with ocd mm -hmm. right saturn will play a very prominent role in individuals with ocd because saturn is the planet that literally calls you back to the past mm -hmm. right cause you to cause you to remember when you had and then now you don't have right yeah and so you know individuals that have um, um, just the basic need to repeat things repetitiously, right? You're going to find Saturn and Rahu or even K2 there many times because <laughs> K2 would detach some from one, someone from reality, right? So that they literally don't have the thought process to, to stop. Whereas Rahu takes you and sucks you deeper into some type of form of illusion or false reality. Yeah. 
So they both can play a role, but more K2 um, for um, OCDs because uh, it's almost like you're trying to stop something, right? Or trying to uh, take something out of something and put it into something else. That's almost what OCD is. You're trying to formulate a reality based on rep- doing something repetitiously to bridge something, right? Yeah. And K2 is the one that knocks the bridge out. Right. So, um, you know, again, you know, folks research, you know, use, bring you to, you know, look into your own case studies. If you have people that you would like for us to do research on, like maybe along these lines or um, uh, other lines, let us know. Uh, One of the things that we, I did have a problem finding and I'm not saying there's no nothing out there that would match it because I'm sure there is, right? We just yeah. maybe don't know about her, her. But I, it's hard to find individuals of African descent, right? With um, serial killers and stuff like that. Serial yeah. killers, you know, just people that take it to the next level. I, it, 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 it's, I, I, I didn't find any. Mm-hmm. I know there are some out there. It just maybe it's not. I haven't researched. It. And even then, hard. We maybe hard to find a good birth time. Yeah. For that individual, yeah, but it's just I don't. It, it, did you notice that? Did you? I couldn't find any Mm-mm. black serial killers. I just didn't see any. No, I mean there's crazy people, but I mean, yeah, to I mean, take I, it as know, far <laughs> as far know, to start murdering people, right? <laughs> In the fam, but you know, it's it's interesting, right? So if you all know of any black serial killers and i know they tried to i know they were trying to like connect the guy that was doing the sniping i think they were trying to put him in that category at one point you remember the fellow that was with him and his son yeah yeah i can't remember right. his name I but they, i know what you're talking about yeah i think they were trying and it'd be interesting if we could get his chart too but um and that just seemed like a military co-op someone did, didn't jail right all the way with that whole scenario but you know you never can tell these days but um i think he might have been i don't know if he was labeled as a serial killer but i know they literally were thinking or mentioning that he was on that rampage and killed so many people so well you know but i think the classic serial killer is like you know the one that you know we think like the zodiac killer or you know something like that then then yeah but uh i got one example that um, I mean, you know, we, we don't got to go super hard on it, but there is one guy from the 80s um, and it was connected to drugs. Um, a gentleman by the name of Wayne Perry um, mm-hmm. out of D.C. who was connected mm-hmm. to, uh, I don't know, you ever seen Paid in Full? Yeah, I saw the movie. Yeah. All right. So the, the story with Alpo and Richard Porter, mm-hmm. I knew, you know what I mean? So Wayne yeah. Perry was a person down in D.C. that was essentially like the murder man. You know, we for Alpo, mm-hmm. he was like his his shooter and he just he killed a lot of people out there. Um, mm. That's what he was known for. Now, I don't have a good time on it, but here's his chart from the moon. Um, well, there's moon and Archer already. Yeah. You know, uh, already. Militated Mars, Saturn. Look at the D nine. I mean, we don't even know the moon's a strong. Mm-hmm. If it's a strong, what 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 time you got on that? It's it's not a good time. I'm just you know just looking at it from the moon. But, here, but here's the thing, though. Here's how you can surmise something real quick. Mm-hmm. Boom. So if we know it's twenty two forty four midnight, right? His moon would still be in Ardra. Mm-hmm. 
So if we go back, right, so from midnight and the moon moves 13 degrees, 20 minutes per day, right? Mm-hmm. So half of that day is six degrees, mm-hmm. right, which is noon. Mm-hmm. Right. So noon is at six degrees. That moon would that be at six degrees. So you can you could almost say, right, even going back, right, six degrees is what? Uh Purnavasu? I'm not uh, uh mm-hmm. me, Right? But even if it's in Mirgashira, look at Mars. Mm-hmm. It. Right. I mean Salacia. it's right there. Right, I'm saying the sublord is debilitated. Mm-hmm. It's it's dead. It's dead on. It's dead giveaway. So I'm saying the moon is a good chance of being an Ardra, right? Mm-hmm. But even if it's in Mirgashira, it doesn't. It's gonna still. It still yields that instability. Yeah. So you know, and it's not gonna go anywhere beyond that. Yeah. So you know what I'm saying. So we got a good B between Mirgashira and Ardra. And I would I would probably go with Ardra just for the simple fact that a person can do some things like that because Megashira Mirgash- doesn't isn't built that way typically. Yeah, it can be. Mm-hmm. You know, Rahu is playing a big role, but there's no Rahu here that plays that role except that mm-hmm. uh, Rahu conjuncts Mars, mm-hmm. and Mars is in Ashlesha. Right, uh, that's a big one. But the moon being in Gemini also can create mental disposition and mental instabilities. Not always. Mm-hmm. We got a lot of people with moon in Gemini. So doesn't, don't go off and say, man, Ross said I went right. Right. No, you have to have a whole lot of other factors that play in. Right. But if you look at this thing here, right, he's got Mercury, right, with Venus and Sun. They're all in Vashaka, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vashaka is an intense nakshatra. It's the nakshatra that bridges over to Scorpio. Mm-hmm. Right? There's only three degrees in Scorpio. All the rest of it is in Libra. But the end of that Libra and energy is very intense. Yeah. Right? Vashaka is ruled by the, the, the totem Right, the animal totem animal for Vishaka is a tiger, a male tiger, which is a hunter, mm-hmm. right? A predator, a lonely, solitary creature. Yeah, right? yeah. You got Mercury, Venus, and Sun, which is debilitated in that positioning. Now, yes, the debilitation is canceled. Yes, right. But the Moon's positioning, and I'm pretty sure it's in Ardra. Is not it, that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, you have again. Remember what I told you. There's a dead giveaway right there. Saturn and Mars in opposition, right? And it's in the and and that's in the Rahu K two axis. Yep. Yeah, this guy is definitely one that can 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 take you out again. Mars and Cancer is no joke. And it's in Australia. So this is a perfect example. Perfect example. If we had a good time, I would probably bet that those moksha houses might be even a little bit more dealt with. Yeah. We may have Mars in the fourth or Mars in the eighth. Yeah. Right. But again, even without the time from just the moon from the Chandra Lagna, it's still very clear. Right. Still very clear. 
So yeah, perfect. Good example. Excellent example. Um, yeah. Yeah. I man. mean, that's a stellium, man, in the four, fifth house. So this guy's a pretty smart fella, man. Mm-hmm. He's not a dummy. Yeah, he hit those. He hit those murders very well until they found him. Well, he, he's, he, he got he's total. Invisible almost. He got total. Yes, there you go. Without <laughs> that, I don't see. I mean, man, Saturn and K two in in the eighth in Capricorn. Yeah, he was no joke. Yep. Definitely yeah. excellent case. Excellent case, man. Excellent. Indeed. So yeah, yeah. I think we kind of rung this one uh, pretty well, right? Yeah. Considering uh, uh, that we're going to have a very interesting uh, solar eclipse where uh, these planets are going to be in Scorpio. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I just bold people that do, they, folks, if you do have moon in the Scorpio, sign of Scorpio, uh, or even if you're ascendant in Scorpio, right? Now, this is a very tumultuous time. This is a very transformational time where you really need to seek solace and really need to seek peace, right? Um I have some very close uh, people to me that uh, have um, some placements with the moon in Scorpio. And I know uh, this is a time when they are very, very antsy, very, very um, um, emotional. Right. So I just bo- I bid you uh, take advantage of the science of meditation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, talk to somebody. Right. Um, let someone know how you're feeling. If you have any thoughts that might, you know, frustrate you or bring you to your knees, you know, open your mouth, tell somebody, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your mate, tell, you know, a child that's old enough to handle certain things, you know, just, you know, don't suppress, right? Scorpios suppress their emotions to the point where they literally turn to the opposite, where that's the old adage, love is a thin line, right? Mm -hmm. To hate. Mm-hmm. So, I just unction you folks out there, you know, for this next two weeks, take it slow. Right? Take it slow. Take it light. Right? Really get into your spiritual studies. Get into your spiritual teachings. Turn the TV off. Right? Turn it off. Right? Um, really focus on what makes you feel complete and whole. Right? On the positive sense, that is, because some things that we do that are negative make us think that we're feeling complete and whole. So I just put that out there for this uh, this eclipse season. You know, really uh, try to um, reattach yourself to higher principles and higher teachings and, and calm your mind and your emotions as much as possible. Indeed. Indeed. Well, as usual... This episode is brought to you by Push It Forward Media Group and Calaprusha Astrology. Um, you know, oh, and yeah, and our, and our people over there on Patreon as well. Um, big shout out to the patrons. Um, like I said, we got some stuff coming for y'all. Um, we're going to be like we always do before we, you know, um, release a change or something like that. Our patrons are always the guinea pigs. So um, definitely look forward for that. Um, let's see. Uh, Rod, you got anything you want to say before we check all the way out? 
don't know, brother. I've said my piece. Yeah, man. This is we went a little over, but you know, we we've been doing pretty good. You know this uh this uh this season. So you know, forgive us. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. All right. Well, um, as always, thank you all for tuning in. Um, we will be back. Um, next week, same time, same place. You know, with another great episode. Um, everybody be safe out there. Make sure you like, share, subscribe to this channel, like the video, share the video, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow uh, Brother Ra, you know, so we can, uh, you know, get get the algorithms moving in our favor and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we're out. Peace. Peace. Thank <laughs> you.